WTMJ. So one of the headlines you've heard us talking about in the news today is that the Supreme Court is hearing President Biden's proposal to forgive student loan debt. It's like $20,000 per person that will be forgiven. There are other details, but that's the basic gist. You have student loans. The president wants to wipe them clean and get rid of them, not make you pay them back. This is an abuse of the loan system. People should be held responsible for their personal economic choices. If you decided to take out a student loan, you decided to take out a student loan. Nobody made you, gun to your head, take out a student loan. There are lots of people who don't think they can afford to go to school, so they put it off and they save. Or they go to trade school. Or they find a good job that doesn't require either. Or they borrow from family. Or they do something. And some of them, it's a last resort that they borrow the money, but they sign up to borrow the money, and now the president says they shouldn't have to pay it back. This is about personal responsibility. And as a taxpayer, I don't want to pay for a bailout for anybody that decided to take out a student loan. Canceling student loans means penalizing people like me, like you if you've paid your loans back, like your son and daughter if they never went to college. Life is about choices, and people decided to take out these loans on their own. To wipe it out now is irresponsible. And let's talk about inflation for a moment. Do you think already soaring inflation is going to get any better when we juice the economy with billions of dollars in additional suddenly discretionary income? coming from people who don't have to pay their loans back. And the president himself said at the beginning of this discussion he did not have the authority to do this. Well, you know what? When AOC and some of the others in the left wing of his party leaned on him hard enough, suddenly he had the authority and he changed his mind. He decided, you know what, I'm going to try to wipe all this out. This is not free. The loan companies who hold the debt, are still going to get paid. He cannot wave his wand and make it disappear. They will get paid. I'm going to pay it. You're going to pay it. Everybody's going to pay it except the people who took it out. This is irresponsible. This is absolutely ridiculous. I think this is infuriating. What does this teach our kids? Yeah, take out the loan and tend to pay it back. And you know what? Someday you might not have to. If you say that college tuition is too expensive and that's why we should be paying this stuff away for people, that's a different discussion. That is a different discussion, what college costs. I agree it's too expensive, by the way. But wiping out this debt doesn't take care of that. What are you doing for the people right now that are applying for loans right now? You have the same problem with school costing too much, and yet people are applying for loans. If you pay back your loan... And this gets passed, you're going to look like a big dummy because you did the right thing. This is a terrible idea. That's John's take. TMJ4's political reporter Charles Benson has updates and his insights on this Supreme Court issue next on WTMJ. Charles Benson is TMJ4's chief political reporter. You hear see him anchor in the 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock news as well. And he was one of the superstars on WTMJ Conversations heard on this radio station yesterday. Charles, how are you? Superstar, I think that's a little bit exaggerated. Yeah, but it was yeah, great well. to be down there with uh, Steve Scafidi, and we were talking to the uh, state Supreme Court candidates. 
Yeah, that was good stuff. I really enjoyed that hour. Very informative. I, I want to talk with, to you. I, say, I agree with Superstar. You really bring yeah, that for sure. knowledge, Charles. You really do. Well, well especially thanks. when you're sitting next to Scafidi. I mean, you're definitely the superstar in that conversation. Come on. <laughs> the U.S. Supreme Court. Let's talk about what they've got going oh, yeah. on, Charles, because heated discussion about the Biden administration policy of wanting to forgive student loan debt. Where are we at? How, how, take us inside how this will play out from a logistics standpoint. Well, it's always fascinating to watch, you know, what happens in the U.S. Supreme Court. It's more behind the curtain there, right? But when they have these arguments laid out on a particular case, you can hear the audio on it, so you can hear the back and forth going on with the justices. What we're talking about here is the $400 billion loan forgiveness program that the uh, Biden administration uh, has decided to forgive that much for about 40 million people who have these loans. That's about 20000 and for those who will benefit from it. And what was fascinating to me is what you hear from the different justice. Now, just to get you a little bit into the weeds, they're talking about this policy known as the HEROES Act, and this is what the Secretary of of Education is using to sort of waive or modify the federal student loan program because of this national emergency. And you might say, what national emergency are you talking about? And it was that once in a century COVID-19 pandemic. So that's sort of the in-the-weed question about whether the HEROES Act can be applied to this. But Chief Roberts actually was saying something that you said, John, in your opinion piece before we joined here, and he talked about um, what he, you know, he raised this question during the discussion. I'm trying to find it here, and it's... um Right here. He says, you know, he's trying to compare the person who's going to get their loan forgiven versus the person who starts a lawn care service and takes out a loan. He says, well, no one's telling the person, quote, who is trying to set up the lawn service business that he or she doesn't have to pay his loan. He still does, even though his tax dollars are going to support the forgiveness of the loan for the college graduate who's now going to make a lot more than him over the course of his lifetime. So he's sort of speaking to the fairness of this issue. The other key point that Chief Roberts uh, brings up is, is this really the role of an agency to sort of make this kind of decision? Shouldn't Congress be the one out in front deciding whether or not so it can be voted on within there? But you also have Chief, or not Chief Justice, but Justice Sotomayor, and she's sort of the leading voice on the left, bringing up issues uh, that question whether or not, um, you know, the gov- or that the Supreme Court, they, that they need to look at some of these key issues. And one of the ones she brings up, which is she warned judges would seize greater power if agency authority to carry out these acts of Congress were diminished. And by the way, John and Sandy, she brings up like the program during the pandemic where the Paycheck Protection Program, which was helping small businesses during the pandemic, that was a government forgivable loan program. So there's the both sides of the argument case on this. So Charles, the president initially said he was against this, that he did not have the authority to do it, that he didn't think executive order was the way to go on this. And then he changed his mind, and now he backed it. This is his administration's policy. Has he explained, or has anybody in the administration explained why there was the change of heart? Uh, The change of heart part, I I, I have not 
clearly seen. I think he goes back to his concern about the debt load that's on uh, these 40 million people and what he sees, because I've heard him talk about this, that he, he believes that with this $400 billion, if the loans are forgiven, what that could do then to folks who no longer have to uh, at least $20,000 worth that they could go out and, and start a business or buy a home or start uh, a family. Things that could help jumpstart or improve or continue progress in the economy for those who are being held back because of the heavy weight of a student loan. So, Charles, this is getting very interesting with individual families. In my family, I have twin daughters, as you know, and one of them, they both took out small student loans. We thought it was important for them to have some skin in the game. So they both had small student loans. One of them paid it back right away, and she couldn't wait to pay it back and thought that's what she needed to do, and she made sacrifice to pay it back. My other daughter decided that she was going to wait, and so she had it deferred, and she did whatever she could to not have to start to pay it back, and now she's sitting with her fingers crossed hoping that this gets wiped out. The daughter who paid it back says, I feel like an idiot because I paid it back, and the other girl maybe is not going to have to pay it back. That's a fundamental fairness issue for a lot of people, including some of the justices. Yeah, I think your conversation at the dinner table is the one that's happening across the country, and that is around the fairness and whether or not, you know, those who have already paid or those who didn't even get a loan. Uh, I mean, I think it does speak to fairness for a lot of folks. But again, in front of the court, and while they have talked about the fairness issue, it comes down to the authority. Who has the authority to do something like this? And, you know, you talk about, well, someone's going to pay this debt. Well, they're really talking about just forgiving it. You know, it gets wiped off the books. Well, it gets wiped off the books for them, but taxpayers will pay for it. I mean, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are going to get paid on these loans, which is a part of the other issue. I mean, they will get paid by somebody. It will be all the rest of us, basically, that are paying for it. And I think that's you know the point that those who uh, that you heard from Chief Justice Roberts on that issue because yes someone ends up paying the bill it always does does it have to fall on the taxpayers um, but I, you know I, I would encourage people to go back and you know sometimes things that happen at the U.S. Supreme Court may not look as flashy and fancy but this was an interesting conversation because what journalists tend to do in these situations is try to pull from the questions that the justice are asking to try to see which way this case could particularly go and you can clearly hear from the conservative side of the justice that they were really questioning whether or not this program should go forward not only on the fairness issue but whether or not congress should really be thinking about this program versus justices so charles what happens next i think then you know we like with all of these we wait we wait until June to see how this thing unfolds. Uh, but even if it does unfold that way uh, w- with a, a, some sort of definitive answer and it's not with the, what the Biden administration had hoped, you know, does it then a pivot into uh, 2024 as an election year issue? We're coming up again on another presidential election. And does it play out in that? You know, we've seen where Supreme Court decisions can motivate people to go out and do certain things and how they vote or how active they are going to be in voting. And so this is likely uh, going to be another political issue in 2024. To to Charles' point, Charles Benson, TMJ4, thank you, Charles. You're welcome. 
To Charles' point, if you get the chance to go back and listen to this, it's pretty incredible stuff. Elizabeth Bray-Lagar is the Solicitor General. Most people thought this was dead on arrival going to the Supreme Court because it leans to the right, and this is a Biden policy. She has received raves the last 24 hours, basically maybe pulling victory from the clause of defeat. Go back and listen to it if you have the chance. It is pretty fascinating stuff, and you can actually hear the Supreme Court justices asking their questions. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. All right, we continue to broadcast live from the Milwaukee Auto Show. The doors are open, the folks are in, the cars are shiny. We'd love for you to come on down. We're here till 6 o'clock, but back again tomorrow from 3 to 6. It's fun to see all ages of people enjoying mm-hmm. families cars, new cars yeah it's good stuff good stuff so come on down and say hello we welcome in meteorologist brian niznanski who's with us on the hotline this afternoon hello niz yeah what's going on guys you guys are downtown at the auto show i'm here on the uwf campus this evening uh getting ready for a big horizon league matchup here they, they got a home game here the panthers against wright state but wright state beat them two times so I figure I'd come down and hopefully have yeah. some sort of effect on turning the tide. Bring them some good I luck. I love Nick. it. <laughs> I hope so. I like the idea. I know it was kind of controversial whether to have the game at the Panther Arena, which most of their mm-hmm. home games are, or here at the Clotchy Center. I like the Clotchy Center. I was talking to my buddy Lawrence here, uh, photographer here in the Chaser, and it just this program needs to build back to being in that UWM Panther arena, a game that matters, 5,000 close intimate uh, arena uh, at the Kalachi Center, I think is going to be a good fit for them. I think it is cool. That's a great, great atmosphere. You know, all weekend yeah. is we've kind of been with you keeping an eye on the track of this storm beginning on Monday yeah. when you first gave us a heads up that somewhere in the Midwest some people were going to get snow. We have a lot better idea as we sit here we now, do. less than 24 hours out, don't we, what this is going to look like? We do, yeah, and we're going to be on the outside looking in as far as the heavy snow goes. Um, we still might get clipped with a little bit of light snow tomorrow. Best chance of maybe seeing like two inches of snow will be down towards Kenosha. But you got to get down to Chicago and even southeast of there now to get into the brunt of this system. Um, so, again, we're, we're looking at, uh, you know, there's even a chance that this thing completely misses us. So... Um, you know, we might not even get a flake here in Milwaukee hmm. tomorrow. So this thing really trended southeast the last couple of days. Uh, two days ago, we had a split of computer models, one solution giving us uh, a ton of snow, others no snow, and now almost all the models showing that it, it has a miss for us here in southeastern Wisconsin. I wanted to ask you about an interesting graphic that I saw that showed that we are behind in snow total for the year, which you've discussed, but actually ahead yep. in precipitation during winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, way ahead, because we just had the second wettest February on record. And again, most of that uh, in the form of rainfall. Um, we've had some snow, but we're behind as far as snow goes. Uh, but for precipitation, we're way ahead. And again, a lot of that thanks to, obviously, um, the rainfall that we had earlier this week on Monday. Um, we had unprecedented amounts of rain uh, on that day, and that really boosted our amounts for the year. All right. Oh, so luckily it didn't cause as much flooding as I thought it really could. I mean, obviously there was a lot of standing water that affected the drive, but it could have been much, much worse considering how much we got. 
Right, considering the, the frozen ground, too, and the, the heavy sleet snowpack that we had as well, again, it's, uh, yeah, we, we dodged one there. Um, could have been much worse. One good thing is that the rivers didn't have any ice on the meter or else we'd have to be dealing with ice jams. So, uh, thankfully, we don't have any of that. So, um, And really not much in the way of precipitation in the forecast. Uh, as we head into the weekend, uh, we're looking at, uh, again, we'll, we'll consider tomorrow the weekend, too, a chance of snow, mainly south of Milwaukee, one to two inches down towards Kenosha, 38 degrees for your high. On Saturday, mostly cloudy with a chance of a few showers in the afternoon, 45. Sunday, partly cloudy and 40. And Monday, looks like some rain could be likely, maybe mixing with a little bit of sleet or snow. But Monday looks to be our next bigger system. But as of right now, not too alarmed, guys. Meteorologist Brian Nisnansky. All right, thanks, pal. Go Panthers! Yeah, go Panthers. Have fun down at the auto show. Pick me out something real nice. <laughs> that will get you something shiny. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> Thanks, Niz. Later, guys. It is 543 at WTMJ. We talk Bucks basketball with Eric Name from The Athletic. That's up next right here on WTMJ. Bucks Insiders with Eric Name from The Athletic. Did you guys know that Name was a station manager at a radio station? He was, he was like the main guy at a radio station. He could be our boss. All right, then. <laughs> Is that something? Name, you're a man of mystery. Respect, Eric. Respect. Uh, I appreciate it. No, I've, I've done uh, I've done many things in my years on this earth. Uh, I was a station manager for a nice little radio station at Kansas State University many years ago. Yeah, you know, Kansas State. So he's also the guy that made Jordy Nelson the second most famous alumni from Kansas State. I mean, I mean <laughs> name one, Jordy Nelson two. It's not a bad list. What's Manhattan like? The Kansas uh, Manhattan. Small. It is small. <laughs> uh, it is it is out in the country. Uh, wing night though at uh, Jordy Nelson's parents' restaurant was wonderful. I can tell you that. Uh, great deal. The garlic parmesan was outstanding. Nice. Uh, one of those I go to. Uh, but yeah, uh, not a whole lot out there in uh, Manhattan. <laughs> Are you a Kansas guy? No, I'm a, I'm a Wisconsin native from Slinger, Wisconsin, uh, but I ended up being there for two years and got my master's there. Wow. You say Slinger? I did. Very good. Slinger, Wisconsin. All right, I could do this all night because I'm fascinated by people. Why do we? We should know this the first time Name was with us. This is like, this is your life, Eric Name. <laughs> Get to know me. That's right. Hey, I wanted to ask you about news that broke this afternoon, Eric. Uh, Coach Bud, Coach of the Month. I mean, the guy was undefeated in the month of February. I guess no big surprise. But what does this say about uh, the job once again Coach Bud is doing with this squad? Yeah, I mean, obviously when you go undefeated for a full month, that's going to get some people's attention. But I think when you really look at it, there's injuries throughout all of it, right? Like you have Chris Middleton out for games. You have Giannis out for games. You have Drew out for games. You have all these guys that you're trying to work in and out of the rotation, and yet the the Bucks just keep winning. They're up to uh, 16 games on this win streak now. But, yeah, all 10 in February. And uh, – I think there's a lot of times where Mike Budenholzer doesn't really get a ton of credit just because this team has so much talent and this franchise has had so much talent over the years. But 
I just think it really is impressive to, to think about what he does uh, and how he does it every year. And this is, this is not, uh, I'm going to say, not an easy job right now, um, which I'm sure it sounds crazy to some, some of our listeners that, you know, a job where you're, you're coaching the MVP uh, isn't easy. But I just think with as much as he's had a balance and the rotations that he's had kind of trying to work through with, with all these guys in and out of the rotation, I just think it's been it's been a really impressive job. And, and I think he's certainly deserving of that award here in February. Eric, wins don't mean titles. We know that. And Coach Bud will do everything possible to downplay this winning streak they're on. Wins are certainly better than the alternative. I get that. But... Do you believe there's any sense that Coach Bud or any of the players eyeball that 20-win franchise mark and say, that'd be pretty cool, yeah, that'd be good to do? So it's fascinating, right, because this team is uh, not new to winning streaks. Uh, They've been through this before. Uh, And I think it's been fun over the last couple days to talk to some of their main guys, right, because Giannis and Chris and Brooke and Pat, those guys were all here for the Bucks' 18-game win streak in the 1920 season. When you know they started that season 52 and eight, I think they started at 24 and three with that 18-game win streak that they had at the start of that season. And you know, talking to them, they were like, you know, we hadn't been a part of something like that. Even though they won 60 games in Budenholzer's first year, they hadn't rattled off wins like that. And they said, you know, in the locker room, it was something we talked about. It was something that we were excited about. It was something that, like, we used to, you know, lift up the stakes of regular season games and, you know, kind of apply a little bit of pressure because we hadn't been in those big moments. And now when you think of this Bucks team, they won a championship. It's on the road in multiple playoff series and come back from that. They've gone on the road and won a game seven. Uh, they went down 0-2 in the finals. Like They've done all these things where they don't need to invent pressure. They don't need to uh, invent stakes. They can just go out and play. And all of them have kind of said that first year, it was cool. It was something that we really got up for. It was something that we were hyped about, something that we were excited about. And now we know that that year we didn't win a championship. And we know that you know it doesn't end up meaning anything. But the goal is to win every night. So if you can accomplish your goal each night, and, you know, they've seen some different situations with players in and out of the lineup. They've come back different times. They've done all this. Uh, so it is it is exciting. It is fun. But I think the overwhelming message is championships are what matters, not, not win streaks in the regular season. Eric, do you have any sense that the Bucks are not, you know, not only going to be, you know, geared up here for a playoff run, but do you have any sense that they're going to tweet the roster after releasing Mamu Kalashvili yesterday? I, I know it's a two-way contract. It's a little different. But any roster tweaks on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at this team, they are always going to be a spot where veterans can join the squad. Um, you know, Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN has mentioned that uh, they are a front-runner for uh, a veteran point guarding Goran Dragic, and, and that's someone that the Bucks have been interested in over the years and haven't been able to get to come to Milwaukee. So it'll be interesting if they do bring him through because he does, uh, while he is getting up in years and not quick as he once was, uh, he is a very functional backup point guard. He's someone that can bring the ball up the floor and take some of that pressure off of Chris Middleton and 
Yannis Dedekunbo and Drew Holiday and, and help out in those ways. Um, so that could end up being something uh, that is helpful. But I, I think that has more to do with the open roster spot on their 15 than it does uh, with the Bucks letting go of Sandro Mamukalashvili. And, and I think a big thing with Sandro is that overall the organization wanted to do right by him. I think we will see Sandro sign with a, another team here in the next couple of days. And I think one thing that they wanted to do is, is give a young guy that they really like, they love Mamu, um, to give him a chance to, to get his feet kind of set up somewhere else in the league, get himself, uh, you know, just a chance to let a different organization get to know him a little bit here and try to develop and, and kind of establish his NBA career rather than sit on the bench here as the Bucks go towards another championship and try to have a deep playoff run. He is the former station manager at KSDBFM, Manhattan, <laughs> Kansas, and the current Bucks beat writer for the athletic Eric Name. Thank you so much. We appreciate it, Eric. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.